Hey everybody, it's Adam, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. We hope that our time together will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. It was April 19th, 1966, and 540 people were lining up for the start of the Boston Marathon. All of those 540 people who were lining up at the starting line that day, they all had a story to tell. Inside of that crowd of 540 people, there were, there were folks who were hopeful that they might someday qualify for the Olympics. And inside of that crowd of 540 people, there were plenty of folks that were just hopeful they'd make it to the end of that 26.2 mile race. But out of all of those 540 people that lined up to compete in the Boston Marathon that day, there's one person whose story truly stands out, which is kind of ironic because all that she wanted to do that day was to just blend in. Her name is Bobby Gibb, and she wasn't supposed to be standing at the starting line of the Boston Marathon that day, even though she had been trying for months to register to compete in the event. The Boston Athletic Association, which is the group that puts on the Boston Marathon each year, they had denied her requests time and time again, telling her this, women are not physiologically able to run a marathon. But when Bobby received these rejection notices, she was far from the first person who has ever been told, you can't. You can't. We've all heard this more times in our lives than we can possibly remember. You can't. You can't sing. You can't cook. You can't wear that. You can't go there. You can't eat that food, and you can't believe in that. All of us have been told more times than we can remember by more people than we can keep up with. You can't. You can't. But it hasn't just been other people who've been telling us that you can't. You've been saying it to yourself plenty of times over the years as well. Whenever things start getting hard in life, you start telling yourself, you can't. You say it in your personal life, your professional life, even in your spiritual lives. You can't. But like I said just a few minutes ago, We're far from the first people who have ever thought this thought. Far from the first people who have ever told ourselves that we can't do something. As a matter of fact, in our scripture reading for this morning, we are going to find the disciples. We're going to find the disciples in a spot where they can't do what Jesus is telling them to do. That's right. The disciples, Jesus' closest followers, those people that he handpicked to be part of his inner circle of friends, the ones that Jesus would go on to commission to spread the good news about his life throughout this world, they felt like they couldn't too. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and grab them, whether it's a printed one like mine or an app on your phone, and turn to Luke chapter 17. And as we're turning there, let me just remind you of a couple of things. 
The first thing is something that we talked about just last Sunday. When we're reading the Bible, we're not coming together just to read stories that happen to other people in other times. When we get together and we're reading the Bible, we are reading uh, an invitation from God to be a part of God's story too. Because God didn't stop working when the Bible was completed. God continues to work in the world today, and God wants you to be a part of his story. And the other thing that I want to remind you of is just what the book of Luke is all about. The gospel of Luke is basically a biography of Jesus. So inside of Luke's gospel, you can read stories about Jesus' birth and his early life. You can read about his ministry and the miracles he performed, those things that he taught, those things that he did throughout his life. You can also read about his crucifixion and his resurrection. But in the story that we're going to be reading this morning, we're going to hear Jesus' response when the disciples all but tell him, that they can't do what Jesus is asking them to do. So Luke chapter 17, we're going to start reading in verse 1. This is what Luke writes. Luke writes, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin, well, they're bound to come up. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch out, brothers. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, then forgive him. If he sins against you even seven times in a day, and seven times he comes back to you and says, I repent, then forgive him. All right, so in these four verses, Jesus is setting a pretty high standard. For the disciples, okay? Jesus says to the disciples, if you cause someone to sin, if you cause someone to stumble in their faith, if you cause somebody to be separated from God, it is better off that you tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into a lake. And when Jesus says a millstone, he's talking about a big millstone. Literally the things that you would use to grind up wheat or grains or whatever it is that they're milling. Tie that around your neck and throw yourself into the lake. That's a high standard. You'd be better off with a stone around your neck in the bottom of a lake than to lead someone astray from God. And that's not all Jesus says here. Jesus also sets a high bar for forgiveness. He tells the disciples to forgive, even if they have to forgive the same person for doing the same thing seven times in the same day. Jesus, in these four verses of Scripture, shows how hard it is to follow him. And when the disciples hear this from Jesus, well, they start having those you-can't feelings creeping in to their minds because they hear what Jesus is saying and they think, I can't live up to the standard that Jesus has just set. No matter how hard they try, they know that they're inadvertently going to cause someone to stumble or be led astray. They know that they won't always be able to forgive, especially if somebody keeps doing the same thing wrong against them over and over again. They can't play the part that Jesus is asking them to play in God's story. So the disciples, well, the disciples decide to do something about it. In verse 5, the disciples look at Jesus, and this is what they say. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. That's what they asked Jesus to do, which is basically their confession. We can't do this with the faith that we have, Jesus, so increase our faith. 
And they ask Jesus to do it because they know they can't live up to these impossible standards. The standards of not causing somebody to stumble, not causing somebody to be led astray, not being able to forgive. They know they can't live up to it on their own. So they ask Jesus to increase their faith, and who can blame them? Who can blame them for asking Jesus to increase their faith? Because if they know, if they know that they can't live up to the standards that God has just set for them, if they know that they're going to cause other people to stumble, and if they know, if they know that they're better, they know that because they cause people to stumble, they'd be better off with a millstone tied around their neck in the bottom of a lake, then why not at least try to ask for some help? If this is what's waiting for me, then I better just go ahead and say, Jesus, I can't do this. I need you to help me make it through. But things don't exactly go the way that the disciples think they're going to go when they reach out and they ask Jesus to increase their faith. Because when they ask Jesus to increase their faith, well, when Jesus responds to their request, he doesn't tell them, well, all you had to do was ask, and now you will receive. He doesn't promise to them when they ask to increase their faith that he will help them with their unbelief. He doesn't assure them that they can do everything that he commanded them and more. Looking back in Luke 17, verse 6, let's see what Jesus says to them. Jesus replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, it will obey you. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, if you had this itty-bitty, teeny-tiny amount of faith in you disciples, you wouldn't be concerned with your ability to forgive other folks. If you had this itty-bitty, teeny-tiny amount of faith in you disciples, then you wouldn't feel like you might accidentally, inadvertently lead someone astray. If you had this itty-bitty, teeny-tiny amount of faith, the faith as small as a mustard seed, then you could do so much more than what I'm asking you to do. You could say, to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. That's what you could do if you even had an itty-bitty, teeny-tiny amount of faith. Now put yourself in the disciples' shoes that day. If we had heard that from Jesus, we'd probably feel like we were about two inches tall and wish we could hide behind that itty-bitty, teeny-tiny mustard seed. They had asked Jesus to increase their faith, and he tells them, Guys, if you had even an itty-bitty, teeny-tiny amount of faith, you could do everything that I've asked you to do and more. You could play the part that God wants you to play in God's story. But the disciples, they look at themselves and they know they can't. They look at themselves and they know that they cannot guarantee that they will never lead anyone astray. They know that they can't guarantee that they will always forgive no matter how many times somebody else wrongs them. So they know that they can't play the part that God wants them to play in his stories. And if the disciples, if the disciples felt like they couldn't play the part that God wanted them to play in the story, where does that leave all of us, right? Where does that leave all of us? Because these are the disciples that we're talking about. The disciples, these are, these are folks who walked away from their family and their friends, who walked away from their jobs and their communities in order to follow Jesus. These are people who gave up everything, quite literally, to be one of Jesus' closest followers. And these are the same people who are going to go on to spread the good news about Jesus throughout the world and put their lives on the line to do it. 
These are the disciples. The same disciples that we look up to. The same disciples that we wish we could be like. But they don't even have faith the size of a mustard seed. How small does that mean our faith is? If they can't live up to God's standards, what hope do we have? But here's the thing about this passage of Scripture that we usually miss out on. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he only seems to be setting an impossible standard that the disciples are never going to be able to live up to, and he only seems to be criticizing the disciples' faith. And it only seems like Jesus is doing this because we are so used to hearing people in our lives, every, t- every place we go, every time we turn around, telling us that we can't do something. So when we hear everybody else tell us that we can't do something, we start reading that same mindset into this passage of Scripture, thinking about what we can't do. But Fred Craddock, who is a renowned preacher and theologian, uh, has written this about this passage of Scripture. Fred Craddock writes, the Greek language has basically two types of if clauses in it those which express a condition that is contrary to the fact, and those which express a condition that is according to a fact. Now what Fred Craddock means when he says this is that Jesus, when Jesus makes this if statement, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, he is saying one of two things. Fred Craddock says that when Jesus says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, he is either saying that if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, and clearly you don't have faith, the size of a mustard seed, or Jesus is saying, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and clearly you do. Credit goes on to explain that when you read the original language of this passage of Scripture, that it's clear what Jesus is saying, and that Jesus is clearly saying the latter. So let's reread Luke 17, verse 6, with a little bit better understanding. This is what Jesus is really saying to the disciples. Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and guys, you do. You clearly have faith the size of a mustard seed. Then you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the seed, and that tree would obey you. Now that small change changes everything. Because at first glance, at first reading through this passage of Scripture, we all we see is Jesus setting a high standard for the disciples, a standard that they are not capable of meeting. So they turn to Jesus and they ask Jesus to increase their faith, only to be chastised for the little amount of faith that they have. But now, now, what Jesus is saying to them is, guys, You're asking me to increase your faith, but I don't need to do that. You already have all of the faith that you need. You can do what I'm asking you to do, and you can do so much more. You have everything that you need. You can do it. I think that's why Jesus compares faith to a mustard seed inside of this passage of Scripture. And I think Jesus does this because when the world looks at a mustard seed, we see something that is tiny, we see something that is insignificant. A mustard seed is barely the size of the tip of a ballpoint 
pen. If you were to drop a mustard seed on the floor or on the ground, you would never find that seed again, no matter how long you searched or how many times you vacuumed trying to pick it up. It's gone. It's tiny. It's insignificant. That little bitty mustard seed doesn't seem like it is capable of doing anything. But when God sees that seed, When God sees that seed, God knows what is hidden inside of that itty-bitty, teeny, tiny mustard seed. God knows, God knows that that seed, that tiny seed, that it's going to grow. That it can grow and it's going to start by growing its roots down into the ground and grabbing hold of the earth. And then that little seed is going to spring out into a seedling from the ground. And that little seedling is going to turn into a shrub. And that shrub is going to turn into a tree. And that tree is going to get so big that even birds can nest inside of it. God knows that that itty bitty teeny tiny seed can do incredible things. And God knows that you can do incredible things God knows that you can do incredible things to just like that itty bitty teeny tiny mustard seed has the potential to become a great tree. You have the potential to do amazing things for God too. And I think this explains kind of the strange ending of this passage of Scripture because right after Jesus spends time talking with the disciples, telling them that if they had faith the size of a mustard seed that they could say to this mulberry bush and be, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would listen to him, Jesus says this right afterwards in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. He says, now suppose that one of you had a servant uh, plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to that servant when he comes in from the field, well, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, then you can eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Now what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture is that while it may seem impossible for us to live up to God's standards, while it may seem impossible that we could ever surpass God's expectations, while it may seem like we are too small to play a part in God's story, we shouldn't see it that way. We shouldn't see it that way. We should see everything that Jesus is calling us to do as an ordinary job, something that anyone can accomplish. We should see all of these impossible things the same way that somebody whose job is to go out and plow the fields or look after the sheep thinks about the duties that they have been assigned. We should see all of these impossible things as mundane, as routine, as nothing out of the ordinary at all. And why should we see it that way? Well, just like it's the person's job to go out and plow the field, just like it's a person's job to go out and feed the sheep and care for the sheep, it's our job to do what God asks us and calls us to do. And God has called all of us to do incredible things, far more incredible things than even looking at a mulberry bush and telling it to be uprooted and planted in the sea. You see, God made you to do some amazing things. God made you to spread his good news. God made you to make his love known in this world. God made you to bring light to darkness. 
God made you to bring hope to despair. God made you to feed the hungry, to care for the oppressed, to set people free from their captivity. But to do that, to do that, you have to know that your faith is already enough. Your faith is already bigger than that teeny tiny itty bitty mustard seed. So while everyone else in this world will look at you and say that you can't, God knows that you can. When everyone else looks at you and says that you can't, God knows that you can. You already have all you need to play your part in God's story, to be the person that God made you to be. But what you have to do is put your faith into action. And that's exactly what Bobby Gibb did on April 19, 1966. Even after the Boston Athletic Association had written her the letters and told her that you can't run in this marathon, she said, bet I can. So she showed up that day, and she ran in that marathon anyway. She went to her brother, and she borrowed a pair of Bermuda shorts, and she found the biggest, baggiest, hooded sweatshirt that she could put on to cover up the fact that she was a woman. She hid in the crowd, hid in the bushes, waiting for the crowd to start dispersing, and then she took her place in the line. She did everything she could that day to just blend in. But as she continued to run the race, mile after mile, closing in on the finish line of that 26.2-mile marathon, she couldn't blend in anymore. She was a true standout in the crowd. People realized along the way that there was a woman that was out there running in the marathon, and they started cheering her on, giving her all of the motivation that she needed to push through the last few meters of the race. When she finally crossed that finish line that day, she, crossed, she was the 126th person to finish the race. But she was also the first woman who ever finished the Boston Marathon. And when she finished that race, what she basically said to everyone who ever dared to tell her you can't was that I can and I did. So when I stand up here this morning, and I tell you that God is inviting you to play a part in God's story, I want you to know that you can play whatever part it is that God is giving you. When you see the hungry, you can feed them. When you see someone crying, you can support them. When you see someone struggling, you can comfort them. When you see someone in need of Jesus, you can be Jesus in their lives. But it starts with believing something that Jesus already knows about you. Something that God has been saying about you all along. With God on your side, you can do it. Let's pray together. God, we do live in a world where we often hear, you can't. But when we come into this place, we step away from that world. We step away from the world that keeps telling us the things that we can't do. We come into this place and we hear you tell us that we can. We can do everything that you have called us and asked us to do and more. If only we'll believe it and put it into faith. So God, as you continue to call each of us to play our part in your story, I pray that you open us up to the possibilities of what you can do in us and through us. Open our eyes that we may see 
the mustard seed that is our faith growing and maturing and becoming something so incredible. Let our faith grow, let it spread, let it reach to others. Let us do and be everything that you have made us to be. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Hey everybody, it's Adam again. I hope that this sermon challenged you, encouraged you, and inspired you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. If it did, then take a second and subscribe to our podcast. We drop a new sermon every Monday, and if you subscribe, you'll never miss it. And if you'd like to help someone else take the next step in their relationship with Christ, then take a minute and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Your review goes a long way to help us share this podcast with others.